The Unformed Handball Hour is back and we're this week we're talking all about the Women's Champions League. It's myself, Brian Campion and Chris O'Reilly in the house. Alec is off doing other things, doing some morning clubs with some mysterious Danish journalists, hopefully. We are joined today by Daniela Vekic, who is a... EHF journalist and she knows all about women's handball so she has plenty of insight on the start of the Women's Champions League. Chris, how are you doing? Good Brian, good to be talking some women's handball as well. It's only the only two rounds played in the Champions League and already a lot to talk about as you're all going to hear shortly uh, as we dive into it. And something that's already kind of struck me uh, planning for this is that overall it feels a lot more exciting than the men's competition. Fair to say? I think it is fair to say, yeah, especially that Group B. That Group B is really, really, really tasty, uh, apart from maybe one position at the table, which is it's impossible to call where the teams are going to are gonna end up. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the, the Women's Champions League season. I'll be off to FTC my first game in two weeks' time, so I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. We'll see how FTC maybe improved a little bit by then. Hopefully they have for uh, for that match of the week. What about you? Are you lined up for any any games this season? Uh, the women's, no, no. Unfortunately, uh, no. They don't uh, don't want me for it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep reporting on it, even if nobody wants me to. <laughs> the other form handball hour. That's our motto for the season. <laughs> we'll keep on trucking. We'll keep on trucking. But I do get um, do get the first men's match of the week on Wednesday going to Płock um, oh, nice. for the first time ever believe it or not I haven't been to Płock before I'm really, really quite excited okay. and uh, their game against Georgi on Wednesday and uh, it's going to be a, a Polish double header for me so Płock this Wednesday and then you and I will both be in Kielce together uh, right. uh, for round three looking forward to a couple of trips out to uh, lovely Poland but I think we can uh, dive into our chat with Daniela Vekic, who's joining us from France, and uh, time to break down the Women's EHF Champions League. So we welcome Daniela Vekic, a reporter for the EHF, with us to talk about the Women's EHF Champions League. Daniela, how are you? Oh, fine. I'm happy to be with you guys uh, in this podcast and to talk about the Champions League women. Only two rounds played so far, but uh, I think it's it's always a nice time to check in on the competition because it's not quite, you know, pre-season predictions and trying to figure out what teams are like. We've got a little look at them, some hitting the ground running straight away, some not so much. So I think we can we can look at it on a, a group by group basis. And we'll, we'll start with the, uh, I would say, the less exciting group, Group A. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what are your first impressions of that group so far and what you've seen? Well, for now, I think it's mostly like we all thought Jay is always there. You know, they're always contenders for the age of Hanapur and they're strong also this season. They have a new head coach, but uh, they, come, they stayed in the same focus they had before. For me, surprise after this, First two rounds, Bittenheim has two wins 
stay out. I don't think that they maybe expected it, but they really made a progress since uh, they joined Champions League women after playing the age of European League women. Um, and other than that, I really think that it's expected, I would say, maybe in the Group A with Anchesena uh, and Brest uh, and uh, Sefikov's not doing the best as they never played. They never progressed further from the group ever in their history of playing Champions League. And Buduchas is here trying their best as always. So I really do believe it's expected group play for now. I mean, we've seen this with uh, Bidik time before when they start strong and then kind of completely fell off a cliff last season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you expect them to maybe be able to keep up this tempo a bit more with that experience behind them that they know how tough, obviously, the... It's a really grueling group stage, isn't it? It just keeps keeps on going, and it's and the the level in the group is obviously fairly fairly even. I I hope we will they will be able to keep up the the same level they are now. I think that they have good experience behind them. I I really don't like to predict anything because I'm really bad at it. Because when I say someone's gonna be good, they're gonna they don't end up uh, at all being good. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So I really, it's hard, but I really do believe they have a strong uh, experience behind them, especially with that last season. Uh, we saw last season they were really good in attack. They scored more than 40 goals, more than two times, I think. I'm not sure really. But I really do believe they can do that. But we'll see. We ha- They have four new players, so it's not, they didn't have a huge changes during the season, during the summer. But... I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I, I said I don't like to predict as I'm really bad at it. So. <laughs> well, I think compared to last year, I remember when they had their great start, there was always yeah. the worry, which, which ended up coming through, that it was a little bit shallow, the squad. And if there was a couple of injuries or players yeah. uh, lost some form, that they would, as it turned out to be in the end, it would fall off that cliff and miss out on the next round. This year, with the players they brought in, with everyone at the moment, uh, who's playing seeming quite fit. It looks a bit more robust this time. It looks like yeah. a bit of a deeper squad, not full of absolute superstars, but full of players who can come in uh, and do a job for them. And the fact that they managed to get that home win over Chesame in over the last weekend, I think shows that they are already at a at a different level. Um, do, you, do you think they will be with real contenders? We'll talk about the other contenders for second place. Um, but do you think they will be able to kind of keep this going consistently? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's a good it's a good group. You have a dance there with a new head coach who was three time Champions League winner with uh, Vipers. So uh, it's going to be hard. You have Tusimek, who is always there. You know, Nabu. It's just hard to expect from them to be on second place. But I do believe that they maybe can. Uh, progress further from the group to the playoffs this season. That's my opinion. Yeah, and we don't really like to talk about uh, gear too early in this competition, but I would like to get your because it's quite obviously quite boring sometimes as well. But I want to get your kind of kind of first reaction to the start of their season. Obviously, plain sailing so far. Um, what do, what do you make of the the players that they've they've added to the squad and how the squad's looking at the moment? Uh, well. Uh, for me, they didn't have you know, that much of a change. I mean, Bruno de Paula came and uh, Inca from Soa. Uh, maybe, I mean, it is boring to talk about them because they, they 
they are always there. You know, they had ups and downs last season also. Uh, they had like missing men against their fellow Hungarian friends in the last, in the round two, but in the first round, they were struggling against Brest a little bit more. But I, I, I for me, Jerry's Jerry. It's, it's not some science fiction. They're always great, they're always there. And despite, you know, even when they had stumbled upon some opponent, they lost some games also last season, but they're always there. And they are always at the age of 104, somehow. Uh, I really do believe they're strong. I mean, they were, they finished third last season. So it's, it's just Jerry. No matter what changes they do, they have, you know, the system set with their play. Yeah, and the, I think the addition of Brilla Drapaola is uh, is super exciting. I mean, yeah. that that brings a, another dimension to a backcourt, which, you know, when, when we got to the Final Four last year, felt a little bit predictable, which is kind of surprising when you see the likes of Enziminko and Oftedal in that team. But Brilla Drapaola just brings a whole other level of you have no idea what the hell she's going to do next. And uh, I think that's going to be really exciting to see how that develops. Uh, also with Carrie Bratzett, uh kind of leading the team and coming back into to full fitness as well um, after last season. Um, there's a kind of a subplot for all of this, and I think we'll maybe mention it as the season goes on, but uh, something I didn't really notice until recently is that Stina Ofterdal is planning on leaving the club and potentially or probably retiring after the Olympics, which for a 31-year-old kind of at the peak of her powers feels quite uh quite ludicrous i i agree with you and i have to be honest i didn't hear that news also but yeah hamill is always full of surprises and uh, i don't want to go into some personal choices but for me it's uh it's really a surprise because she's a great player she's always you know focused and she was great on the court uh, all the time so i i don't know what do you think, Brian? Uh, I don't know. I mean, she's 32 in a few days, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe she wants to finish at a high in her career and maybe she feels like it hurts her style of handball, beating players one-on-one, being very quick off the mark, that she maybe she notices that she doesn't quite have the same springer step that she used to and she wants to finish this season on a high and, and call it there. But I think, it, obviously, it does feel a bit a bit uh, premature. She could easily play it till she's 34, 35, or perhaps she's maybe trying to strong arm some, some sort of weird contract negotiation thing and saying, oh, you know what, don't want don't to give me that, then I'm finished this season, yeah? I'll say goodbye. Maybe she's planning on something else in her private life. You never know. I mean, with yeah, that also. female players, it's always different, you know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I think that she's engaged. She got engaged this summer or at the end of the season, so maybe there's something to do with it also. Ruta Dampka, you are absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. We'll save that for another day. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess it's not as yeah. I'm I'm guessing the the reasons are are non uh, non playing related. Yeah. So Jura seemed like the uh, the outstanding candidate, which uh, is no surprise to to finish at least in the top two. We spoke about Biedigheim there, and then it's like you know Chesame, you said are always there. Odin's. Uh, uh, and Brest. Let's talk a little bit about Chesamex. I, I, Brian, you're a te- they're a team that you also come across and personally quite often. Looking at the team this year, 
it feels like maybe more than ever, there's like an A team and a B team within the squad trying to find a bit more of a balance with uh, with Romanian players as well. But I feel like that's just going to make them more inconsistent uh, uh, when it comes to the group phase as opposed to last year where they actually were pretty pretty consistent and finishing in the top two in the group. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a team which, I mean, I really enjoy going there when I do go there because... Uh, it's a, it's it is a it is a great club and great fans, but I see what you mean with the the squad mixing in the youth players, maybe looking towards the future a little bit. I mean, I did see a lot of uh, Mihaila Mihai, the winger, the right winger, who's actually injured at the moment, but I'm sure presume she'll be back in later in the season. So they do have some good young talented Romanian players in there. Are they ready for the Champions League handball? Maybe not quite yet. Um, I mean, I say Mihaila Mihai probably is one of them that is, um, but. It's. It does seem like they would be missing Elizabeth. Oh God, Chris, her surname, Amoregi. Yes, I can never how to pronounce that name. You see it written down so much, and never know how to pronounce it. Amoregi. Yes, she'll be out for a bit as well, injured. Um, a bit light maybe in certain positions. I mean, I think there's gonna be a lot of pressure on players like Grassadi as well. Um, from going on what we've seen so far, it seemed like it was the classic Pentea Niagu combining I think for 15 goals in one of their games so like nothing changed there really um, but to do that the whole group phase with a lot of those youngsters thrown in there it's uh, it's a tough task to, to imagine them finishing up maybe in third position for example I'd imagine they'd be kind of more I, I imagine I envision a lot of ups and downs some good results and some some poor ones mixed in as well there as well so I think it's going to be a bit of a bit of a roller coaster season for them Yeah I agree I mean just like Brian said they're not going to have it easy, maybe, as they did last season. But um, their attack is, as you said, uh, Nagu, Pinterai, and they were good in just two games. But, you know, Nagu had five, five out of 12 shots uh, against Bittigheim. So you cannot expect her to pull the team all the time throughout the season. It's hard for the, all the players. Even if you're the best player in the world, it's super hard. But maybe they're, like... Backup could be a defense and uh, Laura Nausa. I hope I pronounced right on the goal between the posts. But I, yeah, they, I don't think it's going to be that easy. But and Laura actually helped them in those two games. If she wasn't good against Bittigheim, I think Bittigheim could won even more than just two goals as they did. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting season for Justin. And you, you made a mention of uh, Odense and uh, their new coach, uh, Oli Ekstad. Uh, also, eight new players that have come in. for The team has completely changed com- compared to last season. Uh, it feels like they will need some time for all of that to gel. Nevertheless, a uh, super exciting team. And with the goalkeeper pairing of Althea Reinhardt and Yara Tenholta, probably, you know, maybe... or perhaps the most exciting young duo of goalkeepers uh, yeah. in the competition. What in particular, I mean, I've just said what excites me about this team. Is anything in particular that uh, really stands out for you, Daniela, about them? As you said, goalkeeper duo. Uh, I, for me, Yara Tenholte is an amazing goalkeeper and she's only uh, 24, I think. No, 23. And she she's done such a great progress in Dortmund and we saw what she's capable of last season in UGF European League women, especially in the finals in Graz. She could really make an even better progress in uh, Champions League this season. And and for me, it's great to see they really have a Dutch colony now in dance. 
So we have, I think that uh, even Nikita van der Lee joined. Uh, uh, so uh, we have Elma Halilcevic also coming. She was a great, uh, she's a great wing player, great for counterattacks. So I really believe that we're going to have, we're going to see that recognizable Scandinavian style that we saw with Ola and Vipers also, you know, fast pace and with uh, really great handball actions for me. Uh, that's how I see it. And they have a good mix of players, you know, uh, Scandinavian, like now from Norway, Denmark, and those Dutch girls that, that are just, I think it's five of them or six. I'm not sure the exact number. Yeah, it's a nice mix. And our third co-host, uh, Alex, always says, you know, the team with the best Norwegians are going to win in the end. Maybe they don't have the best uh, Norwegians, Brian, but uh, they've brought in a few interesting ones, that's for sure, uh, with Oli Ekstad. What do you think about the, the Odense team? One thing that's really interesting for me is actually the 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 spine of this team with, of the Dutch players that you mentioned. You have Jarten Holten in, in goal, Boven Vetering uh, on the left wing, Nikita van der Fleet on the line. Lauren Usser in centre-back and, of course, House here then in right-back. All 23 years of age, so they're all literally from the same generation. And I think they're at the age now at 23 where they now have to really... I mean, we've seen it a lot from House here in past seasons. But now I think for the rest of the... for the, those names in there, uh, it's time for them to really kind of cement their name in senior handball and really step up. And I think we've seen it obviously from House here and, of course, obviously from... Uh, Yarraton Hall, but it's going to be interesting how the likes of both Vatering and Van der Fleet do uh, this season because I think it's their it's their time to shine. And I think with a coach uh, like Oli Ekstad, I think they can really now start to push on a bit. Brest, the other contender in that that group, uh, it feels like a lot is going to be revealed for them in the next three games because they're playing Odense, Biedigheim, and Chesame. Basically, the three teams that they're they're going to be fighting for second place with. The team doesn't look quite as strong on paper in comparison to to last year. I didn't have a chance to watch their game this season because unfortunately Adriano was covering the breast to both two first games. But yes, uh, for me on the paper, they're not as strong. Um, They have uh, Maslova joining from uh, Mets and... uh, they lost Itana Garbic and Tatiana Bernavic to Krim. So they have some small changes in the in the squad. They're not as strong and on paper, as you said. Uh, and their main goal is actually to reach the playoff just like they did last season. So I don't know if they can make, you know, shake things up in the group. But uh, with the first two games, you know, they lost only by one goal against Jet in the first round. Uh so I, I think that they, they have a, I would say, good season so far, but uh, I don't know how long, how far they can go into the Champions League. For me, their realistic goal would be for the finals, maybe, but not for, that's my honest opinion, but maybe they will surprise me. And uh, we'll just finish off on Group A before we go to the, the blockbuster Group B. Uh, it's like a three-way battle for sixth place. It already feels like uh, between DVSC Schaeffler, the new third Hungarian team in the mix, uh, Sevahov from Sweden and Budutschnost. Uh, which of those three do you think will uh, come out ahead? Oh, I don't know. Uh, 
I, I know that we're not going to have the same situation as we had last season with Bonnie Most or uh, Castellano or Locomotiva when they didn't have any win or just one draw. I don't think that we're going to see that in Group A. Uh, I do believe that some of them could win some and, you know, surprise someone. But for me, I would say that, oh, it's hard, but I think that the Luchos could go to the playoffs again. They had a poor start to the season last year also, but they managed to progress during the season. Buena Popovic always have some changes in the group, in the squad and always bringing some new younger players. And I think that they will be able to make a progress later, later in the group and maybe to get that spot in the playoffs. Yeah, because they, they do have, you know, interesting players in the team, right? It's it's not like they've turned completely terrible overnight. Um, it seems to have been a slow but sure kind of uh, degradation, but some of the players they've brought in uh, with Hafra and Iacate, if yeah. they can get fit and, and really get going, um, it feels like they can mix it uh, with yeah, anyone. I, I believe that they just need some more time to, you know, straighten things up. Uh, some of the players now play together and they lost Mateo Pletikosic and Nilda Kepic and Nina Bulatovic who were there for, you know, always there somehow. So I believe that new, these new players have, just have to have more official matches together because preparation matches and friendly matches are not always the right example of how the team is playing. If you compare it with Cream, they didn't have such a great preparation period, but now they're winning. Balk- Balkan teams don't care about preparation matches. <laughs> yeah, so so <laughs> I think that productions can be better as uh, we ha- we were going to have progressed through the yeah. season. Yeah. That's enough of the warm-up here for Big Group B. And who would have thought that uh, oh. in a group <laughs> with, uh, with three of the final four teams from last season, Vipers, FTC, and Esbjerg, that that it would be uh, Krim and the third Danish team, Ikast, who would uh, set the pace after the first two rounds. Of course, we have to keep saying it's only two rounds done out of 14, but still, Krim and Ikast leading the way. Uh, how about that? I, I'm surprised. In, I'm surprised maybe for the Ikast. Uh, I talked with Dragan Adic ahead of the season start uh, with Krim, and he said that they started preparing for this season already in April when they uh, were knocked out of the Champions League women. So he had a clear vision what he wants to do with his team and with the players that are joining in. So I and he said, I believe we can cope up with anyone in the Champions League and we can reach the Asia Final Four. So so far his words are coming true actually. And uh, for me. Defensive wise, they were amazing, especially. I mean, the first game I go against Lubin is not the right show what they can do, but against Esbjerg, they were great defensive wise and they're really playing good and with ease somehow. That's my opinion on Krim and Ikos. I, I'm surprised because they are, they just came after three years of VHL European League women and they were powerhouse of the European League women and the start of the season with two straight wins you know it's against Vipers current European champions and the match is just unbelievable and for me Kasper is doing an amazing job with them I think it was the the first time in three years that, that Vipers have lost their opening match as well so I don't know that, what that's going to tell us about the the rest of the season 
But okay, there's a lot of stuff to go through here. I don't know where to start. I mean, first of all, I'll maybe start with this. I feel really sorry for Lublin because I think Lublin have probably had their best chance to win a game uh, in their last tie when they when they just lost by one. And they might never get that close again uh, to any other teams in the group. Um, I think it's it's a really... I mean, let's talk about maybe FTC as well because I think FTC, it's 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 been a very, very hard and difficult debut for the coach Martin Albertson. And I feel like all the neutrals out there who know Martin and follow him on Instagram were kind of rooting for him because he's a... He's very active on his social medias and we all know what kind of style of coach he is. He's obviously, I saw him a lot during the summer as well when he was coaching the Swiss youth on their 19s team. And when it goes well for him, his teams always produce beautiful handball. But I maybe feel like this FTC team have had, have been have been working um, with the same coach for, for so long now that it's going to take a while for them to, to adjust to his style of play and stuff like that. And I felt for him after the first game when they... They lost to uh, Mets 25-38 at home. I think it was one of their worst uh, opening or worst home losses, I think, since 2016. So it was a huge, a huge loss for them for them there. And he said directly after the game, they punished us for all our mistakes and I'm disappointed with the debut. We practiced well yesterday, but today everything went wrong. I'm happy there will be a game next week because we I know we can really show our quality there. <laughs> and then next week they get beat 37-26. By Vipers. The Champions League is hard, you know? Champions League is a tough competition. <laughs> but what do you think? Do you feel like... Because I feel like maybe the FTC aren't going to be this poor all season long. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to get used to their new style of play. What's your kind of gut feeling for their for their season this season? I have to admit I was surprised with their first two games in the Champions League. I mean, we all know they have new coach, you know, Albertson, as you said, we know how he was working with Swiss in Switzerland and with a Swiss national team. We saw them in the age of 2022, but I, I did not expect two double-digit defeats at the start of the age of Champions League at all. And uh, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm lost for words because they have a good team on paper. They didn't have a lot of changes during the summer. So I think they only had three new players and two departures. So I, I'm shocked, to be honest. I mean, they conceded 75 goals in two games. That's a lot for them. Yeah. It's really a lot for them. And it's not common to see them struggling that much. So I hope they will be better later in stage, as you said. But it's, it's important that the club and the girls have trust in the, in the coach. So... As we already know, we have some <laughs> departures of the coaches already after the first or second run. So I really think it's important for them to trust the process. Luckily, Hungarian fans are very level-headed and cool about this and don't like to make rash decisions on coaches. So I was, I was going to say, at least with, with FTC, we, we know that you know they, they stuck with Gabor Elik. Yeah, true. He stuck with them for so long. You feel like they would give Martin Albertson uh, some time to to settle in because it isn't just like a new coach coming in. This is a whole a whole new project, yeah. structure, a whole new yeah. project, a uh, new era for the team. And uh, they, yeah, they haven't gotten bad overnight, but it, it feels like there's a lot of change. And you're mentioning it there. His style of play uh, is very different, and it yeah. takes some time to uh, to work with that. Um, from one team that hopefully will stay patient to a club that didn't. And you mentioned it there, or you referenced it there, Daniela. Uh, Kim Rasmussen leaving by mutual consent. <laughs> Rapid Bucharest, the 
after only six months in charge and uh, two two narrow defeats, one in the Champions League to Esbjerg, one to Chesima in domestic action. It always just seems to happen to Kim. Um, <laughs> what uh, what do you what do you make of this? Oh, I didn't expect it. I mean, the season just started and you just lost game. I mean, it's I know it's a big thing in Romania and they lost their uh, derby against Chisima, but for me, it's, it's bad when team changes code such so early in the season because there's a lot of a lot of games to play and you can still make some something out of it. But it seems like they all have the same, oh, we don't have the same opinion as the rest of the club, how we should play. So I don't know if Fenopit's going to have good, because we saw that after they uh, parted ways with Kima, they they won against Lubin only by one, I think, in the second round. So it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, impacts their, their, play, their playing style. Throughout the season, because I I don't know I mean maybe Adrian is better expert on on this topic, <laughs> but uh, with uh, the assistant coach David uh, I don't know is gonna is he gonna you know continue in the same path as Kim or he's gonna implement totally new system new playing style uh, I don't know I think they, this third round is gonna give us some answers with Rapid uh, yeah. Just to read uh, Kim Rasmussen's uh, statement that he put on on Instagram, and then Brian, you, I want to get your thoughts on this. Thank you, girls and staff, for your dedication and hard work. But now it's time to go home and find some peace with my closest. We leave a team that has shown great spirit the last games. We pushed Esberg and Chesame to the limits. But as always, life moves on, and all you can do is keep fighting. That's what I will do. Thank you again. You know, he came in and won the Champions League with the other Bucharest team back in 2016. Probably you shouldn't have come back. It, it could only have gone downhill from there. I mean, he's been with six teams since 2020. So, like, he's really been chopping and changing a lot. And uh, from the brief interactions I've had with him and some things I've heard about him, I think he's maybe, it's kind of, a lot, for a lot of time, his way or the highway for everything. So I think he can kind of burn a few bridges with people very easily and uh, maybe not the easiest man in the world world to deal with. And maybe a little bit too idealistic for the the sport uh, that he's working in because there are certain limitations in terms of budget and all that. Um, but I don't I don't know the details of it. I don't think anyone does. But when you're seeing how often he's changing clubs, that maybe maybe it's time for him to just hold up the mirror to himself a little bit and uh, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Big words, I know, but I'm I, that's all speculation now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's like the old, it's kind of the old saying. It's like at a certain point, uh, is the problem them or is the problem you? Uh, when you keep keep changing, um, of course, every you know, you can also look at it on an individual basis. For example, Korea before that, there was yeah. clear reasons why that happened, and with Rapid here, it's not not too much of a surprise. Um, maybe we'll have to get them on, and uh, we'll hear. Hear what he has to say about each yeah. of them. Because, I mean, there's no doubt that he's a really, really good coach as well because every time he goes somewhere new, it, there's a lot of excitement about it. Um, and I always feel like he's never there long enough for us to get, to really see what he can do. And it's a, it is a shame in that regard as well. Keeping on the Instagram here, because most of them are um, are supportive messages, like in the comments, like Maisa Pessoa, who uh, was the goalkeeper for Chesima when they won the Champions League together, says Romania being Romania, they never learn. And his good luck coach, you know your value. 
Uh, other people saying the problem is rapid. Uh, but then one person here says, is it possible that you are not learning? Question mark. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily him having problems with the players, by the way, either. I think it's very much hierarchy within clubs often that causes the problems, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know, but either way, it feels like that's not going to have... Uh, I mean, their their game afterwards, as you said, it was a, a rare opportunity for Lubin to, to maybe pick up a win, uh, but Rapid got away with the, the victory anyway. Uh, so far, we've managed to only talk about one of the, the three teams that were in the Final Four last season uh, that are in this group. Which would you like next, Daniela? Esbjerg or Vipers? <laughs> oh, let's go with Vipers because, I mean, it's gonna uh, for me, it's going to be interesting to see three-time champions uh, with new head coach, new structure. Um they had some small changes in the squad, like four new players, I think, coming. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how will they play this season and if they're going to be able to repeat the same thing, at least reaching the EJ uh, Final Four. For me, that is the most important thing for them, if they're going to be able to repeat it. So they didn't have you know, some strong signings during the uh, summer, uh, except Luisa Schulze from Mets and Lois Abing from Adels. I hope I'm pronouncing their names right. Uh, the head coach right now, Tom Thomas Schlavati, uh, he was the assistant coach and he has a good history of uh, as an assistant coach. He's a good coach. I don't know if how he's gonna deal with the pressure, maybe because we know in, in Mega there is sometimes a lot of pressure on the clubs to reach some goals. We know it's different than in the rest of the Europe. So it's going to be interesting to see how they will cope with the high expectations that, that we all have from my prestige season. I think it's a little bit too early to say. I think, I mean, everything, everyone was shocked by that, that opening loss to, to ECAST. Um, but I think when we saw Yarpkova signing for ECAST, we were laughing at it last season. But now it's, it's so clear that you just send Yarpkova to a club and all of a sudden you're Champions League contenders. Uh, she brings the magic the magic dust with her wherever she goes. I, I think it's a bit too small of a sample size because everyone could, I mean, lose a shock opening game and obviously with a new coach in, they're going to need time to settle in as well. But I think they they did have a very good opening then home match. So that's they did absolutely hockey FTC. So I think the third match... I think their next match now, I think, will, will, will tell a lot of, of where they stand, but I'm not worried at all about Vipers. I think they still are definitely final four contenders. And every year they, you know, three times in a row they've won the, the competition now. Every year they seem to re uh, reimagine the way they play and kind of redevelop the squad, rejuvenate themselves. They also have Paula Arcos in, uh, who I think could be uh, quite an exciting player. She, uh, the Spanish international, has uh, just playing in the Champions League for the first time. So bringing her and Lois Abing in should hopefully for them make up for the, the loss of Yerzhebkova. But besides that, you know, you've Roberts in there still, Bea Kareva in there as well, and Katrina Lunda, maybe. I mean, that, that's another subplot we mentioned about Stein Oftedal, but a lot of players like this, you feel like this may be the last hurrah for them because uh, they're aiming towards the Olympics and... Um, you know, we we haven't talked uh, too much about about Krim and Ecas. Maybe we can touch back on them. But another player on the the Krim side, 
as Jovanka Radicevic. I thought she was going, and then she's back for another year. Uh, at least her club, maybe yeah. for country as well. Well, I know that she came back for the club. She prolonged her contract with Cream in the land of last season, but I, I don't think that she's going to come back for the national team. She had really, you know, touching farewell with the fans at the age of hero. And I, I don't see her returning to the team. Maybe something extraordinary happened for the Olympic Games. But after that touching farewell with the national team jersey and with the fans and the, with the bronze medal at the age of hero, I don't see her coming back. And I know that this might be her last season in the Champions League, but you never know. Those players always... always <laughs> they can't <laughs> keep her away. Yeah. <laughs> because I think if they are feeling good, they are injury-free, they want to play as long as they can. And why not? And they can... Can't blame them. It's the same with Lunda. In, you know, she's amazing. Even at her age, she's great. And I talked to her uh, in, at the age of her, and she said, I, as long as I can play, I will play. She likes that. And for me, that's good because I think that when some of those players uh, retire, we're going to miss them, <laughs> maybe. Ryan, one of your favorite players, uh, Stina Skogrand, is uh, lighting it up for ECAST. I uh, mentioned Jerzebkova there, but they're just so impressive. Uh, 39 goals against Mets, beating the reigning, three-time reigning champions in the first game. Do you think they can keep it up? Pulling off a beat account, you mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I think nobody expected this, but I mean, perhaps them playing their trade in the in the European League with some of the young players. I mean, Julia Scaloni is probably one of the most exciting young players in the world at the moment, and I saw a lot of her over the over the summer at the Under 19s Euro, and she was she really felt like a, a level above everybody else. So it's going to be interesting to see how she gets into this season now. Um, so they do have some really really exciting players in there. Uh, but it's a test of time, is it? So it's going to be a long season and it's a very, very tough group. So I'm going to hold out just yet before before I, I make any silly predictions because I've made enough silly predictions in the past. But I think let's let's see by game five where they are uh, because it's, it's been a, a huge start for them and some very, very attractive handball from what I've seen as well. Uh, but yeah, let's let's see where they where they are by game by round five. What I really like about them is that it's a team you know, full of, of not the, the biggest stars from their country, but yeah, or from the, the top countries in the world, but uh, just like solid players, international level players from all of them. You look at like um, Bakarud and Skogrand, two players that uh, on another era could be much bigger players for Norway. Uh, Simona Peterson in the center and Linkvist, you know, two internationals, but not stars for them. Jerzebkova, who we know is a star now, but not from a big handball nation but someone who is I was 9 from 9 against Mets Emma Fries how good is it to have her in the Champions League at last she was the MVP at the Asia Finals last season She she's great she's really her her strength is counter attacks attack she's fast and she has really handball brain and it comes to you know she can really read the situations and for me it's really nice to see her at the big stage I really do believe She's gonna be even better, even better as the season progresses. But what I want to say about it, because each season they make a progress. Even though in European League women they, for three straight seasons they were at the Egypt finals, but each season they had some changes in their style of play. They were really making progress step by step, and now maybe even it was a surprise for them how good they started in Champions League, but. 
I really do believe they have a great team and a great coach and they can really do amazing things. Uh, Emma on the left wing is definitely, they, they're one of the best players, but I, I think they have a good goalkeeper also who joined from Tudinger. She was amazing last season also in European League women. So, and, and says Kaguana, she's, she's in another world. She's from another world and the whole mix of the team is amazing. I really, really like their self play and the first pass pace they in both team or team. Yes, in what we still haven't talked about Mets. Any thoughts on them? Because I, I have my thoughts on this team, but uh, I want to hear from, from you folks. You've been a big um, champion of them over the years, Brian. The huge win, obviously, over over FTC was was a definitely a they're definitely putting the marker down there. And I like Alina Greisels. Obviously, uh, I think that's a, a really good signing for them. It's going to be interesting how she fits in there, having been the main, the main character at Dortmund for so long. So it's going to be it's going to be great to see her just maybe even wearing a different jersey. And I think she should suit suit their style of handball as well nicely. And I was looking up the statistics for, and this might be to do with their obviously they're massive. They've scored just obviously thirty eight and thirty six goals so far. So they're really. Um, throwing the goals in but they've, they're on the top of every statistic team statistic uh, you can find on your handball just apart from 7 metres so they're doing something right even though they, they have lost that against Ecast but again we'll, we'll have to to see where, where Ecast go but it is I think it's despite the loss still quite a, quite an exciting uh, Mets team I think there's going to be no boring games with them anyway because I think they're in terms of attack they're really they're really firing on all cylinders well I agree with you and for me they have a lot of changes during the summer. I mean, they've lost, I think, 10 players among them. We got a lot of Carlos. But as you said, Alina and Anamete Hansen are two biggest signings for them this uh, this summer. And I think that they will be one of the top two teams at the end, maybe because, as you said, they scored, I don't know how many is that at the end, 74 goals in two games. That's just amazing. Maybe they should work more on defense, but that's my opinion. <laughs> because uh, I don't, I, in my own honest opinion, I don't like the pass handle and play right now with sorry goals on both sides. That's for me just not the handle that we used to know. I really love the defense. So maybe that, but. I hate defense. I love all the goals, you know. <laughs> I think we should get rid of defense, you know. No defense, just all goals. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding, everything. You know, the, the players they have in, in there, well, the Danes, basically, Annemette Hansen, Jorgensen, and Burgard, all very good mm-hmm. defenders. Um, it feels a little bit thin, the squad, though, in terms of the established players, only two in every backcourt position. Um, that could get a bit dangerous as the... The season goes on, considering in particular the the three Danes I mentioned and Greisels are all very important for their country as well. And yeah. have a world championship to battle in in uh, in December. So I wonder if I, feel, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like we're saying that about almost all the teams, but maybe two or three teams. And I feel like all the teams after that are kind of in a certain similar position with kind of after their starting seven, they have one or two one, one two two or three good subs, but then it gets very very light. I mean, we look at we talked about Chase and me as well being in a. A similar-ish, similar-ish position. 
But is that is that what you, was that your main takeaway from the? You said you had a, a take on the team. Is that your main takeaway? You feel like they're just a bit light. Yeah, John. I mean the the players like the four main backcourt players. I think are very very good. But then what's going to happen after that? Um, well, yeah, they've lost a lot of. Or there's been a big change in the squad, and Manuel Mayanad has done it before successfully. Uh, with a really bad season in between, but knowing that was going to happen, this time it's a bit more like uh, they should still perform with the players they have, but there's no guarantee of it. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah. the fact they're scoring goals is a positive thing, that's for sure. Yeah, I think especially like left wing, right wing, you have Valentini and Granier, um, and then you've booked Titi on the line. After that, I'm, I'm honest, I don't know any of the players in the squad list after that. So it does get very, very light in those positions. Should one of those people get in? So should Granny or Valentini especially get injured? Because you know they they rely on them for a lot of goals. But they're their own uh, products. You know the players that come up through the youth yeah. teams. Uh, so that has worked before for them. So we'll see uh, how it works again. Uh, to finish off, Daniela, I know you said you don't like to make predictions, but uh, I'm going to have to ask you: assuming that Lubin are going to finish bottom of this group. Which of all of these teams <laughs> oh. is going to miss out on the playoffs, do you think? I think this group is just mental. It's so hard to make a prediction because when you when you read the names of the clubs, it's just crazy. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, go on. Oh. Or Brian, uh. you go first. Or I, I can go. I, I think Rapid have, have now ruined it for themselves. I think they've they've jumped the gun and it's going to hurt them. Because like, I just cannot see Esbjerg, FTC, Vipers, Mets, Krim or Ecast not make it through. I think if there's one team that has more of a inconsistency over 14 rounds, it'll be Rapid. I might agree with you, with Rapid, but you never know. And I mean, even one season they... they performed some great matches when they needed to so I don't know I'm scared of for FTC I, I really yeah, I really hope they're gonna <laughs> start playing a lot better but I'm really scared for them because it's not that they lost first two games by narrow you know no. so it's two strong defeats and it's really hard to come up from those two defeats at the start of the season it's really hard so I'm really scared for them yeah, we'll have to look at, look into the statistics as well of a team that made it to the final and didn't make it out of the group phase next season. So, uh, I'm sure it hasn't happened that often. But I'm, I actually am a little bit worried about FTC because it, it depends on how long it's going to take for them to get going and to get because it looks looks like they're they're miles off it at the moment. Whereas maybe Bucharest, maybe not as not as much. You know, like lost by two to Esberg and one to or one by one against okay Lublin. But yeah, whereas FTC just look absolutely like they're playing. European Cup at the moment. Just having that little bit of um, uncertainty in both groups is refreshing because when we were doing yeah. the, cha- the men's Champions League one, it was pretty much set in stone which yeah. teams are not going to make it through. And, and that, I think, is a big positive with the the introduction of these uh, third teams from Denmark, particularly Denmark uh, and, and Hungary. It's definitely uh, helped shake it up a little bit. But uh, for now... I think uh, we could say, Daniela, thank you so much for joining us. First appearance on the podcast, right? Thank you for inviting nice. me. Nice. <laughs> Our pleasure. We'll definitely uh, have you back as the season progresses. Enjoy the coming games and we'll talk again soon.
Yeah, thank you for having me. And I hope that our predictions are going to be so bad in this stage. Okay, so there you have it. Thank you, Daniela, for that uh, lovely interview. Some great bits of insight there from her. You can, of course, read all of her stuff on yourhandball.com. She's always reporting on the, the women's matches there, along with Adrian, our good friend on the podcast. And Adrian, we have to give a quick shout out because we would have had them both together for this one, Adrian and Daniela, but Adrian Costello has just become a father. So congratulations oh, to go. him. Congratulations. You know, he probably would have joined if he had a chance, but it was only yesterday that the baby came home for the first time. So I think we can uh, let this one slide and uh, probably for the best that uh, he, he doesn't come on for a while. Yeah, the fact he even considered it shows you the dedication he has to the sport. <laughs> he even replied to me. That's a lot. So no, huge congratulations to, to Adrian. And thankfully, everyone is happy and healthy back home. And so, uh, yeah, in a few weeks, I'm sure we'll uh, be able to get him back on with uh, Daniela and uh, a few other people we have lined up to talk to us uh, about women's handball in the coming weeks and months. But for now, that'll do it. Uh, We also have a uh, morning club, as Brian alluded to. Uh, Whoever Alex gets to chat with he's uh, he's doing this one solo he's kind of left us out of it it was like you guys sort out the women's champions league i'm going to do a morning club so it's only for our subscribers on patreon which you can join for as little as a dollar a month uh, as much as you like now it depends on how much you like us and want to support the uh, work we do but head on over to patreon.com forward slash handball hour for that and we'll see you again very soon goodbye